really quickly. We've been talking a couple Bible studies and places, talking about the tabernacle a little bit. And there's the, the one part of the tabernacle, the veil, is a really significant part. And we, we realize that in the natural that our flesh is like a veil. Uh, we have this veil of the flesh that separates us from the spirit, the things of the spirit. And we know that God is a spirit. And so we, we come into the house of the Lord, we come together with the body of Christ, and we know that, okay, now me and this natural body, I'm supposed to fellowship with this spiritual God, this God that I can't even see, I don't feel most of the time, all these things. And so sometimes that can discourage us from not even, not even trying to, to connect with Him, not even trying to get past the, the part of our flesh that would say, you know, this is not even worth it, just, just sit in your seat and kind of wait for what's next. Um, but I believe the Lord wants to help us and give us understanding and help us to connect with Him and, and be in unity with Him, hear His voice, and just fellowship with Him. And it's not only in, of course, a church setting, but in an every single day setting. He wants to help us to get through the veil of our flesh and to be able to fellowship with the Spirit of God. And so I wonder if we can just tonight just begin to put that into practice, just pushing all the things in our mind aside, re- regardless of what our mind tells us, just determine that we're going to put through the flesh and we're going to connect with him in the spirit tonight in the name of jesus we pray father lord we know that you're here we know you desire to fellowship with each of us jesus and so we cast our care on you jesus we cast the things of this day that have weighed us down father we receive of your peace tonight lord jesus and i loose your peace over this congregation i pray oh god that it would blanket every heart that it would blanket every mind in the name of jesus lord god i pray that despite circumstances in our life jesus that we would be able to connect with you tonight Lord God, that we not focus or put our attention on the things in the natural, but we realize and know, Jesus, that you are far above anything that we can see. You're far above anything that we can feel, oh God. Jesus, and I want your will to be done tonight. And so I pray that you would get me out of the way, Father. I humble myself under your hand, Jesus. And I pray that you be exalted, that you receive all of the glory, that you receive all the honor, Jesus. For we're here for our attention to be put on you. God, we're here selflessly tonight to worship you, to be in fellowship with you, Father. Jesus, I pray that every care of our flesh be put down tonight. Jesus, we trust you as our provider. We trust you, Jesus, as our protector. We trust you as our shield and our defense. We know, God, that you are the way, you're the truth, you're the life, that you have a plan for each and every one of us, oh God, that you want to unfold. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us tonight. I lose your spirit of revelation. I lose wisdom in this place, Father. Lord, we want to receive of you tonight, Jesus. Even if you show us only a glimpse of what is next in our life, we want to receive it, oh God. Let your word mix with faith tonight, I pray. Let us receive every word that's spoken and let us receive it in faith in the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we give you all the glory, Jesus. We give you all the honor. Thank you, Jesus, for even now beginning to change the atmosphere that we're in. Father, for there being a liberty in this place to worship you, for there being a peace in this place, oh God, we thank you for it. We thank you, Jesus, for your spirit that is at work. We thank you, Jesus, for your wisdom that's at work in this place, oh God. Thank you, God, for the understanding that you're about to give tonight. I thank you, Jesus, for the direction that you're about to give tonight. We receive it, oh God. We receive it in the name of Jesus. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. going to have Sister Julie come and... Uh, Share whatever is on her heart tonight. And you can be seated. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Happy Wednesday. I <laughs> um, wasn't expecting to come up here, but uh, thankful to be here. Um, you know, uh, it's been a rough week, and um, not feeling too good today, but God is good all the time, regardless of what you're going through. Um, I'd like to talk about something God's been dealing with me about. Um, I think it's important for us to understand that the Word of God is true. There's a scripture in the Bible let me go to it real quick. It's in uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It says, Be not deceived. Um, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. There are principles in the word of God that we have to really take apart into our life. We have to really apply it to our life. And there's a lot of them in there. And God talks a lot about sowing and reaping. And the things that we are willing to take our time and efforts in and um, put our energies into. We will reap that. If you go in, you know, I love to garden. I love outside. I love going out there and I, I plant things in my garden and I expect to receive something out of the things that I put into the ground. I, when I, it's devastating when you plant something and it doesn't come up. <laughs> but it's not like that with God. What you reap, you will sow. And um, I was listening to the preaching. I preaching a um, Pastor Hart asked us to listen to a heard it a couple times now by Bishop about um, God calling us, his calling on us. And um, I can't remember the title of the preaching, but there's a portion in the preaching that Bishop's talking about the things, the prayers that we've prayed over, that our loved ones. And it brought me back many, many years ago in the being of my walk with God. And I think about 
many of you, many of the people not here, and um, people that I've poured myself into, my energies that are here today. But I believe that what I reap, I mean, what I sow is what I'll reap. I will see them worshiping the Lord someday. I remember prayers over my, my nephew, Pete, and his wife and his children. I remember holding little Darius in my arms when he was a little baby and laying my hands on his head and saying, you're going to be a man of God. And I've done the same thing to my grandchildren. I tell them all the time, you're going to be a man of God. And I pour that into them. I sow that into them. I, um, it's important that we understand that principle of the Lord. If you're not putting your energies there in those things, don't expect to reap them. The promises of God are sure. I believe that. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What are you and I putting in the ground? So important, isn't it? What am I putting in the ground? Praise God. I was, um, I have been marked uh, this week, this last few days. Um, of course, we traveled a little bit. Um, it's good to be back home. I was marked there in Stahican by some of the events and some of the things that, you know, the Lord through life will talk to us day by day. Events take place, circumstances happen, and the Lord will, I, I pray daily, God, help me to be sensitive to the course of this day. Help me to be sensitive to the events of this day where you're speaking in all of it. Um, the, the Lord is not single-faceted. He's multifaceted, and so he can speak to us in many different ways, and uh, he knows our language. He knows our language, and so he has a way to talk to us uh, that we understand. I've, uh, I've heard of, and I've dealt with it through seasons in my life, of going, man, I'm struggling to try to hear the voice of God. And it's usually, I would say, it's always not because he's trying to be hard to hear. Understand, God doesn't try to be hard for us to hear. He doesn't play that game. Can you imagine as a parent if you were like, I'm going to tell my kids to do something, but I'm going to make it hard for them to hear me. I don't want them to hear what I'm saying, but I want them to do what I want them to do. Well, God doesn't play hard to hear. Uh, when he speaks, we understand that we just oftentimes have a lot of noise going on, and so we, we don't hear him when he's speaking. Or we don't like what he's saying, so we oh, you know, I'm not sure if that's God or if that's me. No, it's probably God if it's, right, our flesh we get out of the way. So, but anyway, I, um, I was marked by the way the Lord kept bringing things to me this last few weeks or this last few days. And uh, it has not stopped to turn in my spirit. Uh, if you would go with me to the book of Acts chapter 16. I want to look at a uh, 
familiar place in Scripture. Acts 16 and 6. Praise God. I want you to look at this. Verse number 6. It says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, this is talking about Paul and Timothy. They were traveling together here. And notice they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Really, the Holy Ghost forbids them to preach the word somewhere. That's what it says. Verse 7, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed or they determined to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. So first they had this determination they were going to go to Asia and preach the word of God there. And the Holy Ghost forbid them from doing it. So they recognized that. So they said, okay, well, we're going to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit says, no, you're not going to do that either. Did the Lord care about the people in Asia? Did the Lord care about the people in Bithynia hearing and receiving the word of God? Of course he did. But clearly the Lord knew something they did not. And timing is critical with the Lord. And it can seem like at times that I, I thought of this because of where my mind and spirit have been. As Sister Julie talked about sowing and not seeing a result yet. And we know from the scripture that one can plant and one can water, but only God can give the increase. And his increase is in his timing, and he has a way of working in these places. And, and I've read through these scriptures many, many times here in Acts 16. I've talked about them before, maybe even from this element, of how if we're not careful, we can set ourselves to go a certain direction because our desire is noble, right? To preach the word is a noble desire. To share the truth and the gospel and the word of God with somebody is a noble desire, but I still have to be led of the Spirit no matter how noble the desire. Or else I can go attempt to do something like Paul and Timothy were considering when they thought they were going to go to Bithynia and Asia to preach the word. But if they had not been sensitive to the Spirit of God in this matter... I would imagine that they would have went into Asia and Bithynia and would have just gotten frustrated... Because clearly there's a reason that the Spirit of God told them not to go there right now. We don't know that reason. It's not shared with us. And so it is when we're seeking to be led by the Spirit of God in our lives. Oftentimes the Lord will put up a not now. Right? None of us like hearing no. I mean, I don't. Right? But the Lord has a reason when he says no. He knows and sees what we do not know and see. And so he so was the case, I'm sure, in this place when Paul and Timothy were, they were zealous about doing the work of God. They were zealous to go somewhere. And so 
But they recognized the Lord said no. So what did they do? They waited on the Lord for his direction. They waited on the Lord for his timing, his direction. And of course, it was then that the Apostle Paul saw in a dream or a vision, he saw the Macedonian man saying to him, if we read a few more verses, the Macedonian man saying to him, come hither. And so he recognized, okay, this is where we're supposed to go. The Spirit of the Lord is leading us to Macedonia. And so they got up and went. Now, if they would have pursued their own zeal and desire to go into Asia or Bithynia, it's quite possible they would have missed the timing and the calling of God to go to Macedonia. And so it's very important what the Lord is doing here. Now, I want you to see, if you go to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter one and verse number one. Now, Peter never that we know of. It wasn't him in Acts 16 that we were reading about. We were reading about Paul and Timothy. But this, of course, is the apostle Peter who's writing this letter. And I want you to notice how he starts this letter. 1 Peter 1 and 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers. That word strangers there doesn't mean like people he doesn't know. That word strangers there, if you look at it in the Greek, is like a pilgrim. His addressing and use of that word strangers is saying these are people that are no longer of this world. Their destination is beyond this world with the Lord. And so now, as long as they're like you and I are living in this earth, we are simply strangers or pilgrims passing through until he calls us home. So that's the use of the word strangers there. It's not people he doesn't know. He's addressing them as people who have a home beyond this world and are just here temporarily. All right. To the strangers scattered. Notice where they're scattered. Throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, and look at those last two places. Asia and Bithynia. Do you remember where Paul and Timothy tried to go and the Holy Ghost said no? Asia and Bithynia. But clearly... The Lord in his time, somewhere between Acts 16 and when Peter wrote this letter, clearly somewhere along the way, something happened in those places. God had a plan. God had a time. God had a people. And God was doing a work. This was quickened to my spirit again uh, a couple of weeks ago or a week ago when Bishop was talking to us and he ministered at the outset. You may remember if you were here. He talked about a minister saying as far as he knew, there was no apostolic witness in Mongolia. But then Bishop said, he needs to know Mark Segusti because there's people that have been receiving the gospel in Mongolia. The Lord knew what Paul and Timothy did not know. His timing was so critical. And so the Lord has been dealing with me this last week about the timing and the placing of God and the seed in the ground and connection. And this will not be new to some of you, but I feel it so strongly in my spirit for where we are right now in time. That the Lord, we've heard this, we've used this phrase along the journey, divine appointments. How many of you heard that term before? A divine appointment. Where... For whatever reason, people who aren't in relationship with God, 
would call it coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe the scripture that says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And so the Lord directs our steps in his time and he orders our day in his time. And I have been seeing event after event after event just in the last six days where the Lord has been affirming timing. I'm bringing paths to intersect at a certain place in a certain time. Why? Because he's preparing a vessel here and he's working in a life here and he knows the timing when these paths intersect. Why would he be so concerned about that? Because the love of God is reaching to people. And he knows when a heart is prepared. And so he brings this intersection. I can give you an example from scripture that many of us know. We find that Jesus and his disciples were heading to Jerusalem. And he makes this statement to his disciples as they're about to go that way. It says in the scripture, we must needs go through Samaria. Well, if you were to look at those maps in the back of your Bible... I don't use very often, but this is a good time to go look at the maps in the back of your Bible. You would look at where they were to where they were going. Well, Samaria was a little bit out of the way. Right? The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And they were walking everywhere. It wasn't like they were subject to the road system. And so, but Jesus makes the statement to his disciples. And the scripture bears it out. We must needs go through Samaria. If you look at where they were going, it would have been easier to go from here to here. But he was saying, we're going to go this way, and then we'll get here. Why? He had a divine appointment, a scheduled time. God, who does everything decently in order, the Lord Jesus Christ had a scheduled time and a scheduled appointment. And so they go to Samaria, and they come to a place, a well called Jacob's Well. And there Jesus sits on the well, and his disciples say to him, We're going to go into town and get some meat to eat. Jesus says, you know, go ahead. I'm just going to wait right here. Why was he waiting? He was waiting because he had an appointment. Timing for an intersection of lives. So he was waiting. The scripture bears out it was about noon. And a woman comes out to the well to draw water. Now it's interesting if you look. And you were to study in scripture, or if you were just study the customs of time, people did not come at noon to draw water. Right? Why would you come in the middle of the day to draw your water? People came at the beginning of the day to draw water. The start of their day, they would come early in the morning. They would get the water they would need for the day. They may come back again in the evening, but not in the middle, in the heat of the day. But so she comes to draw water. You can read the whole story. We won't go into it there. And the Lord asked her for a drink. And she says to him, how is it that you being a Jew would ask a drink of me, a Samaritan? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus said, woman, if you knew who it was that asked you to give me drink, you would ask a drink of me and I would give you water and you would never thirst again. And Jesus says, uh, or, and the lady says to him, uh, Lord, uh, the well's deep. And you have nothing to draw with. From whence cometh this living water? And he begins to talk to her about the water that he would give that in her would be a well springing up into everlasting life. And she says, give me this water. And of course, he reveals himself to her as who he is. God robed in the flesh, the Messiah sitting there in front of her. 
and he asks her some questions and it begins to reveal her history and her past that is not good. He says, go get your husband. She says, uh, I don't have a husband. He says to her, you've said well, for you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. Now we start to understand why she was coming at noon to draw water. Because for her to come in the morning when all the other ladies would come, she didn't have the best reputation. And so Jesus was waiting there at the well for her. He had a divinely timed appointment. He has one with you and I. Every one of our lives are a result of a divinely timed appointment. You're not here by coincidence. It's the divine timing of God and the love of God that reaches to a heart and reaches to a life desiring to reveal himself to someone. I can look around this room. Many of you, I know your stories are parts of them. And I can look and I can remember the time. I remember the appointment the day that I met Priscilla Nazario at a birthday party for, Vanessa, for Veronica at Lewis and Julie's home. And I remember that day. I believe it was a divinely timed appointment of God. I remember the first time Weston showed up here with Martin about three months ago. It was a divinely timed appointment of God. I remember the very first time I met Rigo in a hospital room sitting in a chair beside Denise. I believe I knew it was marked in my spirit that day. It was divinely timed appointment of God. And every one of us can look and think of different lives where there's been intersection and we realize what's going on here it is God and his love and his mercy for individuals and reaching he is concerned with every single soul we talk about masses and God is concerned with the masses but God works on a very individual personal level I was in Stahican for four days my family and I there ministering the first day we're there that night we have a home group with the Wiltsies there's a little over 30 people that gather in this home and in the yard outside. There's a man that walks in that I've never met before. I've been there 13 or 14 times. I pretty much know everybody in town. It's not a big town. And uh, this older man walks in that everybody knows, so I know he's not just a passing tourist. He comes into their home, and they're like, hey, we want to introduce you. And so they introduce me to this man who's in his uh, probably early 60s named Alan. Hey, Alan, I'm Joel. Hey, Joel, we introduce each other. And so uh, he's there working, doing work. And I'm like, oh, where are you from? He goes, oh, I'm up here doing work for some homes, but I live in Olympia. Well, when he said that, as you might imagine, because I'm traveling to Olympia a couple days every week, it registered something in my spirit in that moment. Now, I didn't grab him by the arm and say, oh, you're in Olympia. This is a God moment. I need to talk to you right now. But I'm telling you, when he said that, it registered in my spirit. And so we visited a little bit, and I went on and talked with other people. He talked with other people. Uh, we had services some of the nights there. He, did, he, he wasn't in any of those, which is fine. I thought, well, okay. I, I didn't make it more than it was, but I knew just when he mentioned it, it marked me. Sunday morning, he's at church. Uh, he was there. The Lord ministered. He comes to me after service. And he says, the things today, he said, years ago, someone told me that this is what that meant. And I just couldn't believe that was true. 
they told him something about Scripture, and they said, well, the reason the Scripture says this is because the people that said it, they were actually lying, and that's why Jesus said what he did to them. Well, there's no indication in Scripture that they were lying. And so we had taught on that Scripture that morning, and he said, it makes sense now. And the Lord had really helped him. It was a big deal for him. And so I was like, man, thank you for sharing. Praise God. That's wonderful. And we went our ways. We went down. We were all sitting outside eating lunch after service. And I ran back in. To, there's this place called the bakery. If you're ever in Steakin, you should go there and get a cinnamon roll. And so a little side note. So I ran back in the bakery to get some more water. And Alan was right there. And he stops me. And he says, hey, you said you go to Olympia sometimes. See, I, I sort of, in the moment that Thursday night, the first night, we, this, was the day bef- this was the day we were getting ready to leave. Thursday night, the first night we were there, I thought that sort of just passed over his head because he didn't even really acknowledge it. You ever try to throw like a line out for somebody and they don't even acknowledge it? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Right? You recognize the Lord's doing something, you try to give him a line and there's like nothing. You're like, well, I feel the Lord reaching, but clearly they don't. Or maybe I missed it, but there we go. That's sort of how it felt Thursday night. Like, I'm, I'm trying to sow, Sister Julie, I'm, but there was nothing there. And so I thought, well, you know, Lord. He catches me there in the bakery and asks me that question. I said, yeah, I do. He said, would you mind if I take your number? I said, well, no, not at all. He said, I'd really like us to have coffee or lunch when you're in Olympia if you're willing to do that. I was like, absolutely. Well, I was telling a family that had been working with him there. They were like, man, we were hoping he would connect with some. Now, do you think the Lord knew that he and I would both be there this weekend? I do. Do I think I'm all that? Not at all. I think God is all that. And God cares so much about people that he will orchestrate steps and divinely direct paths so that lives cross. I look and I see Jasmine here. I remember when my daughter was the only teenage girl here. And she said, I just would like to have a friend in church. And so we said, you know what? Let's pray. God will send somebody. And it was, I don't know, it wasn't very long. But we began to pray that way. And God sent Jasmine to be with her mom. Answered her mom's prayer. Answered my daughter's prayer. And God had a divine appointment. God does these things today. He's still in this business. You say, Brother Hart, why are you telling us this? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord is wanting us to be sensitive to his leading of our every day. And he wants to direct your path every day. You are not just here by coincidence. We're not called to just exist on earth. We are called as sons of God when he fills us with his spirit to manifest his glory to people in the earth. And so we have to recognize this meeting's not by chance. God has ordered this today. Some of you may remember, you've heard this story, or you're aware of it. It was, how long ago was the dog incident? A couple years? So about two years ago, uh, my son was walking our little dog. I almost called him something else. He was a little dog. A pain dog, but he was a little dog. Was walking our dog down the street. And a house he went by, the dog ran, a dog ran out of their house, came out the front door. There was no fence. 
came over. Uh, it was actually a, a, a small pit bull. Uh, came over and started barking. And so Ethan grabbed our dog and picked him up just to sort of walk it away. Well, then another dog comes out of the house. There's two dogs. And the one jumps up and grabs our dog right on the side of the jaw and the ear and latches on. So if you picture the dog here, latches on so much so that, and of course, Ethan's trying to hold on and not knowing what to do, and the dog's squealing, so he pulls the dog out of Ethan's arms. One or the same dog bites Ethan on the back. A man in the next house up sees and hears what's happening, comes running out of the house to help Ethan, to help get this other dog off and to rescue, and, and there's... Blood going everywhere because the dog's ear is now severed. And, and so, finally, this man helps. I'm trying not to. Am I over-dramatizing? That's about how it was, right? Okay, I'm like, I was getting a look like, Dad, you're sort of embellishing. I didn't think that. Not from what I've heard. thought I was sort of selling on the low down here. But So this man comes running out and helps, gets him free. Comes back to the house and picks up Joe, my other son. Takes him down there. And they get Ethan, get the dog, get him back, and so on. Okay. Two years ago. At Living Care, Sister Julie's working, right? And when did you meet Ruth? I'm really putting her on the spot tonight. September. So Sister Julie is working at Living Care in September. She meets a lady there named Ruth. She starts talking to Ruth. Talking to Ruth about the word of God. Planting some seed. Ruth agrees to come to a home Bible study there at their home. Well, Ruth is married. Ruth has a husband named Chandler. Chandler comes to the home Bible study. When was the first time? Yesterday. Chandler shows up at the home Bible. Ruth comes several times. But Chandler, her husband, finally decides to come yesterday. Well, last Tuesday. Everybody with me okay? Last Tuesday, Brother Lewis sends me this short text about their Bible study they had last Tuesday. And I'm, I'm getting old. I was already in bed. I wasn't asleep yet. But I was close. And I look over and I see the text and I look. And I, I think I responded, man, beautiful. Well, when I sent beautiful, it was unplanned, but I was like, I'd like to come next week. It, I just, I knew. It wasn't just convenient. I, I'd like to come next week. And then I thought, and I want to teach, but I didn't say that. Because usually I don't go to teach. I just go to be there. And before I could get that out, Brother Lewis says, that would be great. Would you plan to teach? I'm like, yep. And so I got to be there last night in their home with about 20 other people. And Ruth and Chandler, for the first time, Chandler was there in their home. So we teach a Bible study. The Lord is ministering. People are receiving, I believe. And the Lord is instructing and giving things through the word of God. And, and we're done. And Ruth and Chandler are engaged. And Ruth, afterwards, she says, Man, did the Holy Ghost reveal those things to you or 
Did somebody teach them how? So we begin to talk about how the Lord shows things in the word and how he reveals things by his spirit. And, and so then I'm talking with Chandler. And we start talking about where they live and who they are. And lo and behold, as somehow where we ended up over here, it was Chandler two years ago that had ran out of the house and helped my son when the dog was getting attacked. And Chandler and I met for the first time at a home Bible study that he went to for the first time last night. And when we told them that, and they realized that, Sister Julie was sitting across the room talking to some other people, and Ruth says, Julie, come here! Julie, come here! And she starts telling Sister Julie what happened. She says, this is happening again. I'm talking to you about divine appointments that God has ordained. Now, I did not look and go, man, we must have missed it two years ago when Chandler came. No. Why did the Lord allow? I don't know. But I tell you, Here's what I do believe. It was significant to Chandler and Ruth last night when they realized the connection had happened two years ago in some way. I'm telling you, the Lord orders the steps. And he does not bring coincidental contact. God divinely directs paths because he's reaching to lives. It's how he reached to us and it's how he wants to use us. You better thank God, Brother Weston, for this man. I mean that. He's just a man. But God divinely connected you so that the Lord could bring you to him. This is the plan of God. He does this through our lives. Through our lives. Pray with me right now. Come on, would you talk to the Lord about people he's brought into your path and paths of people you've crossed? Come on, let him illuminate them to you afresh. Let him quicken in us a sensitivity. God, we want to be sensitive to your voice. Lord Jesus, it's you that divinely directs our steps with purpose. Your love reaches, your love reaches to individual after individual, Father. And you have designed and destined us with purpose to reach, Father. I pray an awareness in our spirit, an awareness in our spirit where you would bring our paths across that of another. Where you are preparing the heart, where you are preparing the soil, where you are working that we do not know, Father. Let us be aware and sensitive and give us a boldness to speak and let the love of God manifest through our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. An awareness to what you're doing and how you're doing it, Father. And our involvement and our place in it that you have ordained. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. An awareness, Father.
in Jesus' name. There is a way that the Lord works oftentimes in the connecting of people that we see evidenced in Scripture. We find it in the book of Acts, chapter number, I think it's chapter 8. Maybe not. Chapter 9, Acts chapter number 9. I'm almost done here. We need to see that it's important to us to understand how the Lord works. And to have our faith quickened that he's reaching to us or that he would use us to reach. It's the love of the Lord Jesus for us. So Acts chapter 9, I won't take the time to read the whole chapter But Acts chapter 9 is the story of Saul before his conversion. Saul is on the road to Damascus. He has letters, the scripture tells us, from the high priests to go and to persecute Christians. Any of them that be in the way is the way the scripture reads. He has letters from the high priests to go and to persecute them. And so he and his men are heading down the road to Damascus. And on the road to Damascus, the Lord shines down a light from heaven, strikes him down with the light. He's blinded by the light. And the Lord speaks to him, and he he says to him, Saul, Saul, is it hard for you to kick against the pricks? It's a strange use of words, it would seem, isn't it? That's verse number 5 in Acts chapter 9. And so... Saul is saying, who are you? And the Lord says to him, I am Jesus whom you persecute. See, the apostle, well, he wasn't the apostle yet, but he was getting ready to be. Saul says, who are you, Lord? Now, you have to know this about Saul. Saul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. Saul was a Jew in every letter of the law. Matter of fact, you can read his pedigree later on in one of his writings. It says concerning the law, he was touching the law. He was perfect. That's a big deal. That means he followed the letter of the Jewish law. So when he cried out, Lord, who are you? He only knew one Lord. Because he understood clearly the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And him only shalt thou serve. And so when the Apostle Paul, or when Saul says, Who are you, Lord? He's acknowledging that it is God himself, the Lord, is speaking to me on this road. And the Lord says to him, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Saul had a divine appointment on the road that day. God knew right where he'd be in the condition of his heart. God was dealing with Saul. God was working. And so he smites him with blindness to where his men had to lead him by the hand into Damascus. So I want you to consider his state. He's now sitting in a house. He's had this revelation. He's blinded. The Lord has spoken to him, shown a light on him, and says, I'm Jesus. So he now has this revelation that Jesus Christ is the mighty God. 
And he's sitting there. And the Lord, verse number 11. Or verse 10, verse 10. Could we do that? Acts 8 or 9, 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. So the Lord now appears to Ananias in a vision in the city of Damascus where Saul is now somewhere in another house. And the Lord comes to Ananias in a vision and says to him, Ananias, and he says, Behold, I'm here, Lord, verse 11. And the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. It's good to know. Okay, Lord, Judas' house, Saul of Tarsus, he's praying. Watch verse 12. Now the Lord tells Ananias a little bit more. The Lord says, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Do you realize what just happened there? The Lord just told Ananias, I need you to go do this because I've already shown him that you're going to do it. The Lord must have trusted that Ananias was going to obey him. Right? Verse 13. Watch what Ananias has to say about this. Because he does have something to say about it. Ananias answered, uh, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he's done to your saints. See, sometimes we've got to be careful about what we hear from everybody else. Because we could predetermine. Here's... Now, you notice, and we'll read just a bit further in a second, but I want you to notice in these verses we read. Nowhere in these verses did or does the Lord ever tell Ananias, Ananias, I just want you to know, before he got to Damascus, I struck him down on the road. I shone a light on him. I told him that I'm Jesus. He knows Ananias. The Lord didn't tell him any of that. But we know that because we, if we read the verses before, what does that tell us? That tells us that when the Lord was sending Ananias to this divine appointment, that the Lord had already been working on the man he was sending him to meet. <coughs> Excuse me. And I would tell you and I that when the Lord brings us across the path of someone, we don't often know what God has already been doing that we're unaware of. And if we're not careful, we'll overthink. Well, I don't know. Well, I wonder. I can't worry about all that. I just have to recognize God has brought me in their path. And if God has brought me in their path and there's a witness of the Spirit right now, God knows what He's done before that I'm unaware of. I'm just going to be obedient to the prompting of the Spirit of God right now because there's a vessel here that God's reaching to. Verse 14. Now the Lord's telling him a little bit more about Saul. And here, oh no, Ananias is still telling the Lord what the Lord might not know, just in case. And the Lord's, Ananias says, uh, Lord, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go thy way. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. 
The Lord had chosen him already. The Lord had spoke to him on the road already. The Lord had been preparing his heart before he ever had Ananias meet him. And he didn't tell Ananias all that stuff that he'd done to prepare him. The Lord doesn't always tell us what he's been doing to prepare the person we meet. But I promise you, he's working where we do not see. And so we have to have a confidence that he still directs and creates divine appointments in life. Stand with me today. Please. We drove up to the church there in Stahican on Sunday morning. And uh, there was a group of people standing outside, eight or nine people. We thought, well, maybe they can't get in. But last we checked, they never locked the building. So then we realized, no, they could get in. They were just all standing outside around the front door visiting. And we met a family, Adam and Kathy. Did I get his name right this time? I called him Andy on Sunday. Adam and Kathy. And Adam and Kathy's had just come in for the weekend. We hadn't met them before. This was the first time we met on that Sunday morning. But we had met their daughter. Their daughter's name was Evie. Evie was there working for the summer. And turns out Adam and Kathy had decided to come for the weekend to surprise their daughter because it was her birthday. Well, Adam and Kathy also had, not all of them, but five more, four more, because they have seven daughters. I thought of Brother Juan Jimenez, who has five. So you still got a work to do. No, I'm kidding. They have seven daughters. I thought, man, the Lord pray for them. And so they were there that morning. And from the, so... Wouldn't you know it, they're sitting right, when we go in and sit down, they're sitting behind, so we're visiting for a minute before service starts. I'm like, hey, where are you from? You know, not fair question, where are you from? Uh, we're, you know, Mount Vernon, Bellingham area, we're right up in that area. Well, we started talking, talking about trips we made to Bellingham a little while back. Many of you remember that, when we went back and forth for about a year to Bellingham. Started talking to this family. Then in the ministry of the word, literally, Adam is like this the whole time. I mean, he's just taking every bit of it in, just taking every bit of it in, taking every bit of it in. And the Lord is dealing with him, dealing with his wife, working in there. You can recognize the Lord reaching, reaching. And they have they have some type of relationship with God. I don't know what it was, but clearly... They had some type of relationship with God. But the Lord was bringing them into a deeper place and deeper revelation and deep understanding. It was very evident and clear. After service, one of his daughters comes up and says, I got a question for you. I'm like, okay. She's like, you, re- you made this statement. Where's that verse? Where's that scripture? I need to-. And so I'm like, we went and got her the scripture. Adam grabs Brother Wiltsey, the pastor there, pulls him aside, ties him up for about 20, not ties him up, but you understand former speech <laughs> talks with him for about 20 minutes after services and so i'm talking with brother wiltsey later he's like man the stuff today for adam 
it was like he was saying God was talking to me and my situation and where I'm at. And he had showed up that weekend for his daughter's birthday as a surprise. The Lord has divine appointments. He still does that. He does that for you and me, and he does that with you and me because he loves us. He has plans for us, the scripture says, to bring us to an expected end. Would you pray with me again tonight? Come on, would you reach to the Lord Jesus Christ with me? I feel him reaching. I feel the love of God reaching to us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, whatever you're wanting to do with me, however you want to use me, I want to be available to you. I want to be available to you. I may not have all understanding, but you do. And I trust you, Lord Jesus Christ. I trust you. I trust your reaching to my life. I trust your reaching to me, Lord. I respond to you. I trust the guiding of steps that you alone can do, Father. It's nothing we can produce in our humanity, but it's by your Spirit. You do these things by the work of your Spirit, Father. And we trust and yield to you. We submit our lives to you afresh tonight. We pray, give us an awareness and a sensitivity, O Lord. Make us conscious of where you're using us give us an ear to hear lord in conversation give us a heart that's sensitive lord in communication with others in the name of jesus i pray in the name of jesus i pray knowing that you're using us knowing that this is what you would do daily as we avail ourselves to you on the job, in the market, in the store, going about our day through the events, directing our paths, reaching to lives through your body. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We trust you in these things, Lord. We trust you in these things, Lord. I was reminded by these events these last few days Different people came flooding back to my thoughts as I would pray of stories that you've shared. I thought of Brother Flowers, your story of the man in Walmart. That you, I think it was Walmart that you had met a few weeks ago or a few months ago. It came flooding back to my spirit of the Lord reaching in these things that are not coincidental. And it would seem like, well, yeah, there was a path that crossed and something was said, but I don't know that anything happened. I'm telling you, you got to have a firm confidence in where Sister Julie started tonight, that if I just sow a seed, only God knows what's happening with it. But this path, this crossing of a path, it may not mean in that moment that there's full opening and everything comes clear and now it's all done and I... That, Sometimes it may happen that way, but sometimes it may just be an exchange of a number that says, could I call you? Maybe we'd meet for coffee sometime. My mind was flooded back. I was thinking of Kathy Dahl praying. Martin, when he was in prison, met a man by the name of Dan. Dan comes to church with Martin a few times. And we haven't seen Dan in a while, but because Dan comes, his mom, who lives over near Olympia, comes to visit. And his mom comes to church here a few times, and God moves on her heart. And I would tell you, we know for a fact, Kathy is faithfully listening every service, every service, plugging in, reaching out. My wife travels with me to Olympia one time. We reach out to Kathy. We meet her at a Starbucks, and for two hours, a Bible study is taking place, and God 
God is pouring into her heart. What's going on? Why would God reach that way? I don't know, but he knows and he has divine appointments with people. And we have to understand that he has one or had one for us and he'll use us in them. We have a place in them. It's how he works. Why is this so important? Well, beyond the obvious of he's wanting to reach people. When we understand this is how he directs our life. Then we don't live our life to come to church and feel the presence of God and go about our week and then come to church and hope I feel the presence of God and he touches me and then I go about my week. But I live every day, every day, every day recognizing I'm a vessel of the most high God. I don't belong to myself. I belong to him and how he wants to use me. And so every day, every day I'm living, wanting to be alive unto God, sensitive to his spirit. Every day I'm walking into it with expectation and anticipation. I'm going to meet somebody today. God's got a plan for my life today. It's not just going through the motions. God has a plan for my life today. Walked into Starbucks this morning. Because I was buying coffee for the branch where I was at. I walk in. I look behind the counter. There's a person I haven't seen in over three years. Working behind the counter. I did a double take. You ever do one of those? I said, Steffi. She's like, Joel. I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, are you back? Isn't that like a dumb question? She's there working. (laughs) It was the only question I knew to ask. I was like, are you back? She goes, yeah, I'm back. I said, for good? (laughs) You know, is it temporary? I don't know. It's a moment. I, I didn't feel the moving of the spirit of God. The light didn't shine down in Starbucks and say, talk to Steffi right now. I'm talking about living our lives where the Lord is directing us. And so she goes, yeah, no, I'm back for good. She, and so she asked, where's Joel, my son? Because they worked together at that store years ago before it was even there. I was across the street. I said, well, he's actually back in town. She goes, is he still going to college? And go, yeah, 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 yeah. And so she says, Tell him to come see me. I said, absolutely. I walked out of there. I'm texting my son. Steffi's back. Go see her. Why? Because I believe there's a divine appointment. I believe there's a reason paths cross. I don't believe that it's coincidence that we run into people again. I believe it is ordained of the Lord. Last story, I promise. But we need this to get in our spirit to understand I tell you this, so you know, this is how God wants to use us every day. Almost 14 years ago, when we first moved here. Lived on the in the lower valley. Our 24 year old son was 10. Played baseball. Played baseball at the park. There was a kid there named Carlito that played baseball with him. Carlito's parents were there at the game. We met Carlito's parents there. Their names are Carlos and Lisa. It's the first time we met them 14 years ago. Carlos came and did some work in our home. He had a manufacturing job. We'd talk about the word. We'd talk about things of God. He had some history with the word of God and things of God. He knew some things. God would reach. God would reach. We'd talk. The Lord would work. We'd pray for Carlos and Lisa. Time would pass. Wonder what 
Time would pass. I meet Rigo. Told you the first time I met him in a hospital. God starts working and dealing with Rigo's life. God said, well, lo and behold, Lisa works at this place where Rigo works. That's Carlos's wife. It's like seven years later, but she's working there. I'm working. Rigo knows her. I bump into her one day. I'm there talking to Rigo. And what do you know? Carlos has come to see Lisa. We're talking again on at least two, if not more occasion, on at least two. One late Friday night, later than people should be out on a Friday night, in my opinion, once you get past 40. We're sitting in a miner's having a burger. And Carlos and Lisa are there in that restaurant. Again, late on a Friday night, a few months later, we were sitting in Taqueria down on first on Yakima Ave having tacos. That's always a good idea. But it was about 11 o'clock at night. Right? Who's out at 11 o'clock at night on a Friday night eating tacos? We're sitting there. We're sitting there eating tacos. 11, shortly after 11 at night. And Carlos and Lisa come walking in to the taqueria. I don't know if I said, you think this is coincidence every time now? No. So my wife's talking to Lisa and says, what are you doing at 11 o'clock at night getting tacos? Right? Fair question. Lisa's like, you're not going to believe this. She says, we were home. They live out here in Sela. We were home. We were in bed. And Carlos and I are sitting, lying there in bed talking before we go to sleep. And we start talking about food. And we started saying, you know, tacos sound really good. And Carlos says, you want to go get some now? And they're like, yeah, let's go get. They get up out of bed at 11 o'clock at night to drive into Yakima to get tacos. And we're there in the restaurant. You mean you think God would make somebody think they should go get tacos at 11 o'clock at night to meet somebody? I believe he would. It's called divine appointment. It's how he wants to use us. From the first time I met him to the first time we ever saw them walk into the house of God was almost 14 years. But when we watched them walk in last October... The Lord dealt with my spirit in such a great way and said, I heard every prayer for 14 years. Hear me. God orders your steps. Don't doubt, Sister Julie, what we sow, we will reap. The word of God is sure. The word of God is true. Just be faithful and be trusting. God is using my life for his purpose. Malia, every seed you're sowing in that high school, it's not for nothing. It may seem like it, but I'm telling you tonight, every seed you're sowing, God has purpose. You got to trust him in it. Don't give up. Don't despair. In Jesus' name, would you pray with me one more time before we go tonight? Jesus, we trust you. We thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege of being led by your spirit. I thank you for divine appointments ordained of you in our lives and of our lives. I pray use this precious body. Use each one of us for your glory. You who is no respecter of persons but knows our frame. Use us, I pray, according to your design and your desire that you would be glorified, Lord Jesus. That your name would be manifest in the earth. That your glory would be made manifest in the earth. That lives would be turned to you for the cause of Christ. In the name of Jesus, I pray. 
In the name of Jesus, I pray an awareness, a sensitivity like never before, and a boldness in our speech. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you, we give you all of the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name, praise God, praise God. Everybody said amen. May the Lord bless you richly. Greet someone tonight. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.